This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe, talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. First of all, gents, how are we doing? Ross, Joe? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. You? Yeah, not too bad. Been a pretty hectic week, uh, but yeah, we're getting through pretty quickly. What about yourself, Joe? Yeah, still a bit disappointed from Saturday's defeat, but, but yeah, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm actually not that down about Saturday, uh, but we'll get into every Saturday and everything else happened this week so far. And also, we've got our first special guest, uh, Martin. How are you doing? Uh, I'm great, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Been a pleasure. No, no worries. Thanks for uh, accepting our invite. Um, you know, as I said in our tweet, we consider you to be like one of the more knowledgeable Milton Keith Dons fans. So it's great to have you come on and talk everything what's happened on the past week or so. Oh, it's an honour. Thank you very much. Yeah, no worries. Okay, so we've got a lot to talk about. Oh, quite a jam-packed episode um, and I suppose we'd start with outgoings and two that happened this week. Uh, so first of all, Callum Britton has left the club and gone to Barnsley. Uh, of course, he joined, he rejoined the club two months ago after being technically a free agent, uh, but had a activation of his release clause to make a speech to Championship and Premier League clubs, uh, activated by Barnsley and therefore he's moved on. And we also saw the moving on of uh, Hiram Boateng, who joined Cambridge United on loan until January. So I suppose we'll start off with uh, Callum Britton first. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on Callum Britton and whether you're happy or unhappy that he's moved on. Um, so why don't we start with Ross with that? What are, you, what are your thoughts on uh, Callum Britton moving to Championship football? First of all, I'd just like to say, um, after his move, being one of our own, I just want to say um, best of luck towards him, towards his Barnsley career. But um, I think it was a bit of a shrewd business from the club um, in all aspects, to be honest. Um, He obviously signed the contract a few months back, as you say, Liam. Um, And in in the end, we got a fee for him. So um, in the end, I feel like we've actually gained out a situation 
with um, with uh, options like Willow and Paul, who can play in that position, as well as Sorinola. Um, as for Boateng, things just don't work out sometimes at football clubs. And maybe League Two is his level. And um, I think it was clear from the get-go that he wasn't in Russell Martin's plans. He may maybe come January, we, we, we don't know. But um, I wish both of them the best, really. Yeah, definitely. Especially, um, you know, Callum Britt, you know, I remember being at South End away and a pretty, it was a pretty poor performance in the end. But uh, Callum Britton was the shining light out of that game. And ever since then, he's, you know, done pretty well for himself and, you know, eventually got his move to the Championship Club that he was after. Uh, Joe, what are your uh, thoughts on Callum Britton getting his move to, to Barnsley? Yeah, I, I, I pretty much. I can't really argue with anything that Ross has said there. I think he's he's been at the club for you know well the majority of his life. He's he's done a great job for us in the past, but I think his I think his head was turned in the summer, and I think as well with with Britain and Paul, one of them was going to be unhappy. So for the club to get him to re-sign and then. When this opportunity came around, it's, it seems to have just worked out for all parties. So I don't begrudge him of that at all. And I think it just made, would have worked better because if, if Britain was starting, Paul would have been on the bench and happy and vice versa. So it's, I think that's good. And we've got adequate cover with Williams and Sorinola, who did an all right job on the, on Saturday, I thought. And with, with Hiram Boateng, I think he's always been one of them that maybe he wasn't the most consistent, but he had the real potential to just produce something special every now and then. And he's still, I think he's still early 20s, mid-20s. So, you know, who knows? He could go and have an absolute stormer of a season and come back, come back and force himself into Martin's plans. But at the worst, he can just go and get himself some minutes and, uh, and we'll see, see where it goes from there. Yeah, I think with Boateng, it's a very it's a win-win situation for all parties. Um, you know, obviously, if he smashed it in Cambridge, then and he comes back to us in January. Then you know, who who knows? It could be a really valuable asset to this team, especially in the midfield, where you know we've seen other players, which we'll talk about a bit later on. You know, really excel and show their sort of what they what they could offer to this club. Uh, my personal opinions on uh, Callum Britton in particular. I, I never thought he was the prospect that everyone beat him out to be, not a right-back anyway. I always saw him as this sort of box-to-box midfielder who had, like, really good attacking potential. And we saw that from, you know, his, like, chance creation and willing to have a shot from any angle. Um, but also what he learned from being a right-back was, you know, he can win tackles and he, he's a bit of a fighter in a sense. So I feel with how the typical philosophy you associate Barnsley with, with some like young players and hungry players who are maybe looking to, you know, you not use kind of a stepping stone, but learn to better themselves as footballers. It kind of suits Britain well. And with him not being the polished product that I personally don't think he is yet, um, you know, I think it suits all parties. And the fact that the club got a feedback for, for him is quite impressive, in my opinion. And one of the highlights of the window in terms of what the club's done in terms of business-wise. Uh, Martin, lastly of all, what, what are your uh, thoughts on the two transfers uh, in terms of outgoings anyway that have happened this past week? Yeah, it's difficult to say anything bad about the Callum Britton move. I think for both us and Britain, it's a fantastic, fantastic option, a fantastic move. And I was speaking to a few Barnsley fans over the week and they do think he'll probably struggle to get into their team because um, they've got 20-year-old Jordan Williams playing at right back, right wing back at the moment. 
but they do mix around their wing backs into midfield a bit. Um, and Williams has played inverted over the left a few times. I think obviously having taken the number seven, he might be more likely to move into that midfield role, which is something he's wanted to do for quite a while. So I don't blame him at all. But uh, it's great to get a fee for a player like that that was going to leave over the summer. So I think it's fantastic business. Uh, and yeah, with Boateng, like I can't really agree with all the rest of, uh, all of you. Like he's was very promising. I think his first few games when he moved, but he's obviously drifted out of the picture and getting him off the wage bill. And hopefully, he'll do well at Cambridge. Yeah, fingers crossed for him. Hope wish wish them both the best of luck. And uh, hopefully, in terms of Boateng in January, we see a rejuvenated player. Um, also quickly, I know I saw a picture of a Callum Brown uh, dying the never uh, number seven shirt in uh, his Barnsley gear. Do you reckon he's going to be a box box midfielder, or do you reckon he's going to be like this right back that you know we we mostly saw at Milton Keynes? Uh, I suppose we'll go to Ross with that. Um, I think, as you say, with the number seven shirt, it sounds and looks like um, Britain's going to be that box box midfielder, as you say. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, for, or hopefully from a selfish perspective, he is because I, I do think he's better in that position. I do think for his career, he needs to play there more and develop his game. Um, so, a bit of a different schedule for us tonight. We're actually going to move on to Russell Martin's press conference, or at least part one of it anyway, um, before we talk about what happened at the weekend at Portsmouth. And Russell Martin sort of spoke about how he thinks it's really early days for this squad. And he was as proud as he as he was as much as he was frustrated from Saturday's performance. And I think us as a collective, I know the gents will talk about their thoughts um, in a minute. But we kind I kind of agree with that at least because I know we saw a lot of tackling potential, especially from players like uh, Fraser, who we'll elaborate on a bit later, and players like Morris, who I felt had his best game on Saturday. But obviously, you know, coming away from a game like that and a performance like that, getting nothing is. Uh, Quite, quite frustrating at the same time, and uh, and yeah, Martin also spoke about perhaps being the need to be more ruthless in uh, games, which I can certainly agree with, and how, like we spoke about in previous episodes, how there should be a privilege and pressure with taking on these games in October, and you know we should be relishing to play the big teams and looking to give them a good game like we have done the past two matches. Speaking of the last two matches, and specifically. Saturday, um, obviously right on the road to Portsmouth, uh, we fell to defeat once again 2-1, we're still looking for that uh, away league win Joe um, but what were your thoughts in general Joe on the performance on Saturday and any sort of standout stats that you saw I just think you can't moan about this performance, I think any other day, any other game any other week sorry, we, we would have won that it's, it was the first 20 minutes that cursed us I mean, first of all, giving away a sloppy corner. Second of all, a free header. It was, I think it was one minute and three seconds. And it's just what we said, um, we were saying about it the past two weeks. It's just simple communication. And, uh, and then a, a really stupid penalty to give away. It's an, it's an unforced error. And we seem to be just making so many of them this season. And I think I, I absolutely I love Scott Fraser's interview after the game. Because I think he was as annoyed as all of us fans. And he was, he 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 just turned around and said, "We've absolutely battered them for ninety minutes and got nothing out of the game." And I, I couldn't really have put it any better. I think uh, against Ipswich and Portsmouth, we conceded seven shots, and that's probably from two of the top five favourites for the league this season. And we've conceded seven shots to them, and they've had three shots on target 
in those games and all three of them have gone in. And I think that sort of run, that sort of streak, it just doesn't continue. And I just think after half an hour, if that game's nil-nil or if that state game stays one all, you could see the spaces were opening up because Portsmouth are going to attack. They're not going to sit back on a one-all. And I find if we just manage to keep a game level for, for longer periods of time or get the first goal ourselves, all of a sudden there's going to be so much space to go in behind with. Because I think um, one feature of the game was that they were quite happy to just sit back and defend. And we had 38 crosses in the game, but only three of them actually were successful or led to a shot. And I think that just kind of shows how, you know, we're not the sort of team that's just going to be lumping it into the box and hoping for the best. And it, when when it's, you know, backs to the wall for the other team, I think it, it, that sort of thing just doesn't suit us. I think we looked so much better when we're uh, trying to cut teams apart and they're coming at us and we're able to press them rather than when they're just sat back and uh, we're pummeling their box. But I, I just can't complain, really. Because it will come. It just need to cut these stupid mistakes out. Yeah, I mean, I echo loads of your thoughts. So, like the penalty was ridiculous. So I don't know what Willow was thinking. Like oh, clear penalty as well, by the way. Yeah, I don't know like what club Twitter on about. <laughs> well, you know, they got to have some sort of bias. But ninety yeah, percent yeah. of the time, it doesn't get given. Um, so of course, the one time it's given is for us or against us. I should say, yeah, sorry. Of course, yeah. Um, but yeah, like you know, I agree with terms. Of, you know, we're not we're not a crossing team. We need to keep the ball on on the ground, essentially passing it around. You know, we saw little flashes of it against Portsmouth on Saturday, and that's what we need. Like we we shouldn't be, as you said, like hoofing it up to whoever, like Morris or Jerome. Um, keep it, it on wasn't the even that. It was more. It was more just hopeful balls into the box. We were working it into great positions, and then there'd be say two or three attackers and there'd be five or six defenders and they're going to have that absolutely all day, every day. They're going to be happy to defend and crosses into the box. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be the same this weekend, which we'll elaborate on a bit later. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like the, the majority of these teams have like these towering centre-backs who are just, who are going to eat aerial drilled up for breakfast at the end of the day. So there's no point in us just, as you said, putting hopeless balls into the boxes. So that's not how we're going to win games. And the fact that we had six of our players whose average positions were over the 30-yard line, is, it just shows how much pressure we were putting on Portsmouth and for the majority of the time doing cackle with it. So the ruthlessness comments came in from Russell Martin there and it's important that we act on these. Uh, Martin, what are your thoughts on uh, Portsmouth in general as a performance on Saturday? Yeah, I came away from it just far more positive than I've been. I thought I was positive after strip switch, but after that Pompey game where I thought, obviously we didn't get that end product in the end, but still to play a team a team like Portsmouth off the field like that was fantastic. Um, and I think you just have to look at some of the way that the Portsmouth fans were reacting to the game, sort of calling for Jacket's head again and just complaining about it to look at exactly how good we were, even though we didn't manage to lose. And it was two players coming back from injury that cost us with mistakes. Uh, for Willi- obviously Williams with the penalty and Keogh, who's... It's now two goals he's given away um, in his two games back, but sort of what you'd expect from a player coming back from a long-term injury. So those are the sort of things that over the next few weeks will eradicate from our game. Um, and obviously we'll become more clinical in front of goals. So yeah, I can't have any complaints about it. Um, I think Morris for me was also someone who really stood out. I think it was five. He won five out of his eight aerial duels. Um, one of which being for the penalty we won where he won it and headed it back down for Thompson. Uh, I think having Morris back to his best where he was just chasing, running, defenders were just running ragged trying to catch him. 
and I think it just put so much pressure up forward. So yeah, really positive. Yeah, I came out pretty positive that game as well. Like obviously, I I was frustrated that we didn't get anything from the game because it was one of those performances where we had you know all the XG stats to back us up. People don't like XG, but at the end of the day, it's it reflects performance in my opinion. And if you watch that game, you'd see how the XG sort of went in our favour. We had to create so many chances, we just didn't put a second one away. Um, and yeah, sharpness at the back, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, it's going to come. And, you know, the, the whole squad talks about how they haven't had a lot of time to train together. Uh, so it could just be a matter of time when that comes. Uh, Ross, what are your thoughts on uh, how Saturday went for us? Um, I can't really repeat all what you guys said, but as you said, for the game, going to Fratton Park was always going to be a big test, whether there's fans or not, because of, at the end of the day, that they've got a Premier League fan base support. They sell out most places. Um, but this wasn't obviously in the argument this time, but as Joe said, it's defensive throughout who's costing us at the moment. Um, but I felt like the non-base chance where the keeper tipped it um, wide and where they, their centre-half nearly put it in his own net. As you say, if, if that happened this weekend, that could have worked well went in and changed the whole game. So, um, it's it's a, it's a hard one to judge, really, but I'm positive coming out of the result. Um, but also, something which pleased all Don's fans over the, over the weekend, I think it got released yesterday, actually, was uh, MK having the most possession in the whole world. <laughs> well, I think it was the um, sorry, Ross. I think it was the top four leagues in England and top five leagues in Europe, something like that. Uh, it, could be wrong. Was it that? I think oh, okay. it was that. You have to correct me if I'm wrong, but um, yeah, and that pleased my uh, pleased. But as you say, if we're sitting bottom of the table and we've got all that possession, um, that we need to start doing more with the ball. Yeah, definitely, and uh, I'm sure the possession champions of Europe. We'll be rigging through our ears for the rest that. of the week. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, sorry, we'll quickly touch on it. Um, yeah, so we had uh, 72% possession on, in the game, uh, 77% possession in the second half, more specifically. And um, the echoing, well, the echoing thoughts of some people was it was the same expletive, different week. Um, and Whilst I don't necessarily agree with that, I can understand the frustration and why people are coming from. Uh, Ross, what are your thoughts on this, you know, us having lots of possession, being a possession champions of Europe, and, you know, but perhaps not making the most of this? If you follow me on Twitter, I obviously, I'm quite vocal on my opinions on Milton Keynes. And I do see promising signs from this side. Um, this is a majorly improved side from last season. Um, as you say, we're creating, we, we just look so much more sharp on the ball as well. And I know it's easier to, um, said than done, but you've just got to trust the process. It's going to eventually click. And when it does click, we're going to be hard to stop, as Martin says. But I know negativity around us being bottom of the table. We, we can't look at the table at the moment. We've just got to look at, at the stats and what's there to be looked at. Yeah, we are losing games, but we're losing games in a way where we shouldn't be. And that's stuff Martin and Luke Williams especially will be working and trying to sort out. 
Yeah, can only agree with those comments. Uh, Martin, what are your thoughts on what Ross spoke about? Yeah, I think Ross has absolutely nailed it there. Like, it's not something that's going to happen overnight, changing. Um, I remember when Russ came in last season, it took us quite a few games to sort of get going in our new, um, our new system, a new formation. And eventually, I think it was Camden Paul that said it this week, that in a, you know, in a few games' time, we're going to give someone a proper hiding. I think it was about uh, end of last, back end of last year where it was the Portsmouth game at home where it just suddenly clicked once. And obviously 1-3-1, one, one, then we beat Bristol Rovers 3 nil after. So I wouldn't be too surprised if something like that comes off soon. So I think we're obviously playing well and I think it's just a bit of luck not going our way. So yeah, trust the process. I think Ross has nailed it there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Joe, do you echo the thoughts of hashtag trust the process? Oh, absolutely, I do. And I'll complete. Uh, um, Carlton Morris actually mentioned it in his interview today. He said, "He said once we get a result, we're gonna just absolutely." He said, "There's gonna be we're gonna be so difficult to stop." And I think that the, once we get the first win, it's almost like a proof of concept. It's almost saying I think I think the players do believe it and I think the players obviously do buy into it but I think it's them saying right hang on a minute this does work because we are battering teams at the moment it's just we're not getting those results and I think it'll only take two or three results and and I think the players believe it themselves that it'll be the top end of the table we're looking at rather than behind our shoulders and even Martin today said I can guarantee there's no way we'll be at this level in the table and for a team that's after five games hasn't won a game I think you rarely hear a manager talk with such confidence, and I think I think it's it's such a good sign to see that sort of a thing. And I think we'll soon have a real swagger about us once we get that those first couple of results. Yeah, I mean, if if the team we watched on Saturday is a team that's not maybe low on confidence, but a team that should not achieve the full potential yet, then imagine what it'll be like when they are one hundred percent. And it'll be like it'll be watching like the Milton Keynes teams of old that achieve promotion to the championship and. It'll be a great it'll be a great time for all of us and hopefully we're back at the stadium by then. So a player that we briefly touched upon who, you know, was very vocal after the game on Saturday, uh, especially in his post interview with Scott Fraser. And quite frankly, he's absolutely terrific uh, on Saturday. You know, he got the golf he got his goal through the penalty. And compared to the EFL averages, he's absolutely smashing out of the park. Like, for example, he's almost winning three times more than the EFL average in attacking duels one, uh, twice twice the amount of av- the average for four passes completed, and you know he's, he's tempting lots more shots as well compared to EFL average, and he's he was essentially the hub of the team and the hub of everything going forward, and you know we was we mentioned on the podcast how we saw glimpses of it in the previous game, especially Ipswich, but this game against Portsmouth was the Fraser that we were hoping we'd all see especially in this setup that Russell Martin's sort of crafted. So I'll go to you, Martin, first. How do you feel Scott Fraser played on Saturday and were you overly impressed? I I thought he was outstanding. I thought he was the best player on the pitch by um, some wager for long periods of it. I think for us, for me, it's the way that he sort of, the positions he gets himself into, we've not particularly seen from midfielders before. Um, and I, th- I think I've highlighted it quite a few times over the last two years that we've always really struggled with goals from midfield. Um, and obviously Gilby had his little spell over Christmas where he scored a few. But other than that, he wasn't... Uh, I think he, last season, there was a, for a long period, he was registering the most shots out of the whole squad um, and not scoring. Um, but I think Fraser and what he brought with Burton, if he brings that over to us and adds goals from midfield, um, that'll be massive for us. So we're not relying on strikers. But uh, 
yeah, really impressed. And I think he's a big improvement. Uh, well, not big improvement, but I'd say he's an improvement on um, Gilby. And I was obviously shocked to lose him at the start of the summer, but equally, Fraser is something else. Yeah, um, from what I've seen of Fraser so far, he actually reminds me a lot of Gilby in terms of personality and what he brings on the pitch. Um, obviously, you know, Fraser's skill set is more atoned to, you know, a chance creation and obviously goal scoring himself. But, you know, if he can bring that sort of tenacity and intensity on the pitch, as well as the chance creation of the goals, then we've got one hell of a player on our hands and it's worth every penny that the club are paying him, which I'm sure is quite a, a vast amount. Uh, Ross, what are your thoughts on uh, Scott Fraser's performance on Saturday? I've only got one word in my notes about Fraser, and I've put machine. <laughs> um, you, you guys are going to laugh, but um, I just think he excels in that final third so well. Um, he drives us up the pitch, and his final pass, I know... Um, Martin's just uh, mentioned it about Gilby um, not being uh, having that goal-scoring knack. But I feel, felt like when um, Gilby got into that final third, he, he was a good passer, but he's not as good as what Fraser is in the final third. And um, I feel like um, we had chances if our wing-backs uh, wing um, had better crossing and um, if he got put on set pieces, we might have had more of a chance of, from scoring. Because I, I noticed that Sorinola was getting put on. Oh there. my goodness! Mm. And I, oh dear me. Why. <laughs> um, I would scream at the TV every time uh, <laughs> an overball hit was hit. Sorry, but going back on the topic of Fraser, um, it's not only on the pitch um, I love about him. As Joe mentioned earlier, it's about his post-match interview. It just shows that he cares about this um, this club and. He's only been here, what, a matter of weeks. And uh, you just start to see that passion through him. And um, as Mark, Russell Martin says, he's only just getting up to match speed now. So um, we've got some exciting few weeks ahead of us with him. Yeah, I said, as I said, uh, introducing the topic, um, I can't wait to 100% because... If that's him at maybe, what, 60 75%, imagine what he's going to be like at 100. He's going to be an absolutely ridiculous player. Uh, Joe, I'm sure you echo the thoughts of what um, myself, Ross and Martin have said, but why don't you give your thoughts on how you think Fraser performed on Saturday? Yeah, I, I can't argue with anything, what any, uh, any of you guys have said. And I think it was interesting, Martin brought up about the comparisons with Gilby. And I think that they are both attacking midfielders, but I think they're very different in how they played. I think Gilby, I'd... He was almost a Steven Gerrard, boxed, boxed, all action, 10 tackles a match, crossfield balls, shots from 30 yards. And I think Fraser, he can do bits of that. But I think with Fraser, what you get is someone that's a lot more measured in the final third. And one, one example I saw was um, he was about 25, 20 yards out. He was dribbling towards goal and he, he had a shot on. But the thing is, when, you, when you're 20 yards out, you know, the chance of scoring from you know, 25 yards out is what, probably 5, 10% if that. Yeah, he had the foresight to play in Cargill, who slots a beautiful ball in. And if someone gets on the end of it, it's a tapping. And it's it's that crucial bit of decision making in the final third where you can bet your bottom dollar if uh, if a, 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 a tiny opportunity opened up for Gilby from thirty yards out, he's absolutely smashing it. But I think just the presence of mind to kind of see it from a bigger picture and almost be one or two moves ahead, I think it's invaluable. And I think we mentioned a few weeks ago about how you know. We called us, you know, Milky Dons and the sort of characters in the team we have. 
they're almost a bit soft. And I, it was just so good to see after the game. Just he's he's not how you know he's annoyed after battering Portsmouth just because we didn't get a result. And yeah, so refreshing to see. Yes, we're finally be what we're finally embracing our Jose Mourinho. No, in terms of being that word, I can't say the word because we're keeping it clean. But uh, you, Joe, knows exactly what I mean uh, oh, in yeah. terms of having that tenacity and you know really going for games and not being this like you know team that just wants to pass it around everyone and to try and win games the, the nice way. Um, quickly on Fraser, one quick stat was that um, you know Ross mentioned about how he was he classed him as a machine and you know he had all those shots and everything, but he also won seven out of ten ground jewels which just shows that, you know, he's willing to put in the graft as well as, you know, reap the rewards of scoring, which is a really good sign for a player, in my opinion, especially in a midfield where he's going to need to work and show what he's about. So we have a, we signed a striker, believe it or not. Um, and his name's Cameron Jerome. So he comes from a free transfer from Turkey. Um, apologies, I forget the club name, um, but it was in the top tier of Turkey and, you know that division has Champions League and Europa League teams in there, so it's not a, it's not a league full of mugs essentially. Um, and do you guys reckon we've found our striker for the rest of the season? Obviously, we saw a glimpse of him uh, for like twenty or so minutes on Saturday, and I suppose I'll start off with uh, Joe on Cameron Jerome. Um, I, th- I think it's probably quite apparent that he's not the striker that we've been after. He's not, I don't think he's going to be the Reese Healy type, drifting out to the wing, good on the ball, all action. But but what I do think he's he's got a very specific skill set, and it's something that we really lack at the moment. He's he's the sort that he'll, he'll run in behind. He's physical. He can hold it up, and I, I think he's completely different to what Morris is. I feel Morris is much more of a hold up, bring others into play. Whereas I feel Jerome, he's always there on on the on the shoulder of the defender, almost like. Like Nombe, but I feel he's going to be have a real clinical touch, and he he looked sharp in in the brief moments we saw him on Saturday. I was looking up at his goal record just to see how he's been for the last couple of years, and uh, so he's been in Turkey for two years, and he's got eight goals in forty starts, not bad. And um, he was in the championship from 2016 to 2018, and in about fifty starts, he got twenty two goals. And for someone that was around thirty at the time. And this is only two to three years ago. That is not a bad return at all. And I think Martin pretty, summed it up pretty well by saying, well, he's not been, he's never played at League One level for a reason. And I think just in a brief 20-minute, his brief 20-minute cameo, you just saw little flashes of what he could do. And I feel he, he really does offer something that we don't currently have at the moment. So, yeah, I, I think a solid signing, provided he's not on stupid money. But I don't think he would be. No, I mean, end of the day, he was a free agent. Uh, you know, that... As much as he is, you know, still has ability as a 34-year-old footballer, you know, he was 34 in the day. It's probably a one-year contract. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty happy with the signing. I didn't understand some people's comments. I mean, we'll get into people's comments um, once Ross and Martin give their views on Jerome signing. But I didn't understand the negativity, you know. I expected him to, you know, Russell Martin's not going to sign some really old player who's lost it completely. And I understand the Norris right. connections with Jerome and things like that. But, you know, I thought we saw it on Saturday. As Joe mentioned, he looked, he looked pretty sharp to me. Um, I think someone mentioned how he turned like a donkey. Uh, I don't know watching different games because <laughs> I, I thought he looked all right. I generally did. And I agree that he may not be the striker, but I feel him and Morris could work quite well up top in terms of a partnership going forward. 
Uh, Martin, what are your thoughts on the Jerome signing in general? Um, yeah, I mean, at first I was pretty excited and then I had a little look through his record and I, I, I think, yeah, he's done very well out in um, Turkey for the last few years. I think the one thing that concerned me a bit is last season he was injured for about a third. I think it was 10 out of 34 games. He had two different sets of ligament problems, uh, one that kept him out for four and one that kept him out for six games. Uh, and he also picked up two yellow card suspensions, although I think it's different in Turkey where you have yellow card after four, uh, you have a suspension after four, which kind of worried me a bit. But equally, I think listing some of your points of view just now, as well as doing a bit of extra reading this afternoon and looking at some of his stats while he's been out in Turkey, I think he's definitely... I've written down here that I wasn't really convinced he was going to score too many, but I think I've, yeah, I think I've had my mind swung a bit that I think he will definitely be able to offer us at least. He's not. He's obviously not going to be the striker that a lot of people want to spring us in, but in terms of having to choose between him and a Premier League low knee, I think Jerome will also offer us about a similar level of goals, but also the experience he'll bring for Nombe and Mason, who are both players. I think especially Nombe, I think needs a bit of a mentor for him at the moment. I think it'll be completely invaluable. So, yeah, um, I think it's a really good... I've changed my mind. I think it's a fantastic uh, signing on the whole when you take everything into context. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear you came around on it. I think... Um, what was I going to say? I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, move on to Ross. I remember what I was going to say. Uh, Ross, what do you think on uh, Jerome's, Jerome's signing in general? Um, I think it's the calibre and experience which comes along with Jerome. As Joe mentioned, he's never dropped below the championship. So for him to come now um, says everything and what he does. Um, I did mention on Twitter with Joe um, that his record speaks for itself. But what actually um, pleases my eye is um, that Russell Martin's played alongside him. So he knows what his strengths, he, he knows what his weaknesses are. So he can always adapt to his uh, strengths and weaknesses, as I say. But um, as Martin's just said, he can also be a mentor for young lads, teaching one or two things like hold up, getting in behind, getting that extra bit of space, uh, putting your chances away in training. He's t he can actually be like a little role model as well as like what Keo is at the back. And um, really, in this uh, Jerome signing, I can't see a negative out of it. I just see positives everywhere. Yeah, I agree. I remember what I was going to say now, um, to Martin's points. Um, I think the whole point of transfer window wasn't to get the Reese Healy replacement, essentially. It was to, you know, get goals in around the team that you wouldn't need a, to rely on one player. And the club were pretty open in saying that one of their main factors for selling Reese was that they didn't want to rely on one player going forward. They wanted to build like ethos of scoring goals and creating chances. And I think that's why we saw players like Cargill having like half volleys from 30 yards in the first game of the season. Because um, they were trying to build this, as I said, ethos. A bit that, too literally. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But um, <laughs> well, we, we saw on Saturday how Cargill was uh, back to his usual self and bobbing up the field and trying to create chances. Um, but yeah, so the point is, is not to rely on one player. And yeah, I think if Jerome scores 10 to 12 goals... I think that is a success in terms of what you bring to the team, especially if a player like Fraser can contribute, you know, 18 to 20 uh, goal contributions in terms of assists when you combine that together. Um, yeah, so we asked, we asked the listeners for their thoughts on the Jerome signing. Now, admittedly, this was pre-Portsmouth, so we hadn't seen him play on the pitch yet, but we only saw 20 minutes of him on Saturdays who 
we got a rough idea of what he could be like, but not a great amount. Uh, so at Darren 70, he spoke about how he clearly knows where the goals is when you're talking about Jerome. And as long as he's still got the legs, he could quite do quite a decent job in League One. Um, but outside of that, a lot of people were obviously sitting on the fence as they hadn't seen him play. But a few people did mention deciding to be perhaps underwhelming. So hopefully um, the performance on Saturday and performances coming forward can change people's minds on Jerome deciding. As I think, I think we all feel it could be quite a positive one, so long as he can a stay fit and b you know better into the team quickly. So part two, Russell Martin's press conference was all to do all to do with transfers. Of course, the deadline for. Uh, the transfer window for domestic signings, so signings that can be made between Premier League and EFL clubs, is on the 16th. Um, and essentially, what Russell Martin said was that he's not actively looking in the window right now. Um, he's pretty happy with the squad he's got, mm-hmm. and it would have to be a player that would be the right moment and the right type of situation where it would work for all parties, I'm assuming. So, my quick question to you guys here is. Are you happy with the squad we've got now if there is indeed no more additions made by the 16th? Uh, Ross, why don't you give us your thoughts on that? Um, from Saturday's performance, I feel like we've got enough in the squad to um, progress from last year. Um, but I don't think it's um, a case of we just go out and put a club record bid and um, just hope for the best. So as you say, we're in a global pandemic at the moment. It's having financial ramifications on all clubs. And um, there's frustration boiling amongst our supporters um, that we haven't spent this money, etc., from Healy and Gilby. I understand that. But at the end of the day, we all want to have a club to go back to and what at the weekends. Um, but I feel like the club have met us halfway with suspending the season ticket payments. And um, they, they're trying to do their bit, but they have to think about the financial gain all the topics of the club. So, on a whole, this transfer window, I think it's been a successful one. Yeah, I think it has, actually. I think the Jerome signing was the, the, file, the final nail in the coffin for me in terms of, you know, whilst we didn't replace Reece Healy directly, we have got a striker in who I feel can contribute and therefore it is a success. You know, there's a lot of talk about, yeah, as you said, Ross, the club's not spending money, but you, you have to think the amount of money that's got into Fraser's contract. It must be very significant that there's no way that sort of player dropping down to League or staying in League One rather than going to the Championship where he has had offers, as he admitted. Um, Martin, what are your thoughts on the squad if no more additions are made by the 16th? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I've written down here that I still think goals are a little bit of a, a concern. and I think we might still be on the poor end of scoring, but equally, I have been definitely convinced that I think we'll be fine, more than fine with our squad now. Um, in terms of buying that striker, I'd much rather we wait and then sort of we, what we need to do, yeah, as a club, we need to kind of change, we're not change our strategy, we've never been too different, but I think investing in youth is going to be our way forward. I think we'll look to sort of do a similar move with Healy where we buy someone up on the cheap and look for sell-on value later on. I think sort of what we've done with Dan Harvey. So I'd much rather we take our time um, with the striker and wait. And I think that'll be a next summer job once the financial situation's a bit clearer. But um, yeah, obviously with this afternoon, what the Premier League have said and possibly giving a bit more money to League One and Two, 
Russ might change his mind over the next 48 hours, but I'm not going to throw my toys out the pram if we don't bring anyone in. But it'd be nice to get another striker, but I don't think it's a necessity at the moment. And I think there's more important things to look after, like Russ has said. Yeah, I, I echo those thoughts. With the ever changing situation we're living in at the moment, you know, it's important to have funds available for January because you never know who's going to come up in the window and you might be able to snag that other clubs can't because they ever spent in this window. So, yeah, I, I'm liking I'm liking the club's approach to how this has all happened in a sense. And whilst the contingency plan for COVID at the time, once we first heard about it, was frustrating, it makes a lot more sense now. And I suppose it shows their shrewdness in terms of operating as a business. And that's why I hope that comes from other assets rather than on the pitch. Uh, quickly, Joe, your thoughts on how to, are you happy with the squad if no more additions are made? Uh, yeah, I think it's been a very solid window. And I think as well, one, one really positive thing that has to be mentioned, I feel, is how well we've dealt with the, the outgoings. We, Russ has been ruthless with them. No doubt a few big earners leaving, people like Jordan Moore-Taylor perhaps, but people that ultimately you just can't rely on for 30, 35 games a season just because, you know, however good they may be, they just they just haven't produced, haven't managed to stay fit really for those longer periods of time. And I think we've been really ruthless in terms of getting getting rid of players. And I think that they've been adequately replaced. And in terms of you know spending the extra money, and I, I just feel well, a promotion plus it's it's pretty real and pretty real unrealistic for this for this season. So you know why would we spend a million pounds for us to finish? cement our place in 10th this season you know I think we're more than good enough for mid-table upper mid-table perhaps but I just think a promotion push isn't realistic this year so I don't feel that there's any need unless something really amazing does come along I just think that there's no more need no real need to go out and uh, blow the bank yeah I think this amazing situation would have to be a permanent transfer I don't think the club is splashing the cash on alone at this point um, no, no, no. Although it might come up, uh, it doesn't seem very sensible to me. Okay, so Joe, we're off on, the, well, we're at home this weekend, sorry, to Gillingham. Uh, take us away. Yeah, and uh, it's a, a lovely, lovely game ahead in, in store for us against the Steve Evans Gillingham, who uh, are currently in fourth place, so it doesn't get any easier. Um, They've so far beaten Wigan, Blackpool and Oxford. And I just want to note that Blackpool and Oxford, I think, are uh, in the top five along with us for possession this season. And so I think uh, Gillingham will have a, a very good idea of what to expect and had a bit of practice against the sort of style that we're going to be coming at them with. Um, with with uh, Gillingham, they've, uh, they've had a really good start, as I've said. And uh, one of some of the key aspects of that has been uh, the signing of Dane Oliver from Northampton. And he's the sort of player that he's never really been prolific, but he's an absolute giant. And he's, he's, so, he's almost like a Mikel Antonio in the fact that he's so pacey, so physical, um, and he's just an absolute nuisance. And then they've added a bit of quality alongside him in uh, Dominic Samuel and Jordan Graham. And I feel that when, when you've got that big guy up top, you really do need quality coming off him. And that, that allows you to really take advantage of the spaces and the men that Oliver's going to attract towards him and then have these wingers run into space off him. I feel that it's going to be a game where that they're going to be more than happy to just sit back. And they're going to be, I think this is almost going to be like the Lincoln game in the fact that they're not going to be, they're not going to be fussy about having to go long. 
Um, I looked and they've actually got, um, I believe it's the um, the least possession uh, on average in the league. So they're more than happy to give it away. Uh, well, to let us have it. And uh, they're the second last for pass success rate. So that just shows that they're, they're going for them long balls, just getting going for the areas of the pitch that they feel that they can harm us rather than trying to build up from the back. I think... Um, as well, one thing that does concern me is that a third of their goals um, have come from set pieces this season. And I think we've already just had glimpses already this season how we really, really need to improve that aspect of our game because it, 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 all it takes is a, a counter-attack and they've got a corner. And then all of a sudden, they've got a real chance of scoring, especially with how we've been and uh, and the sort of people that they've got that can uh, cause us some damage. Um, they don't average many shots in a game, but the shots they do have, they tend to be much higher value because they're getting the ball in the box and and uh, they're creating some decent chances. But I just think, just to, just to recap, I think it's going to be a very familiar game. I wouldn't be surprised if we hit 70% possession again. And I just hope that we can keep them at bay for a bit more, maybe entice them out and then hopefully there'll be a bit more space in behind and they're not just going to be defending their 18-yard line all, all game. Yeah, I mean, I think this familiar situation could actually be a benefit to us in general. But um, it's good to hear that we'll be able to keep our possession uh, Champions of Europe trophy nice and trophy cabinet yeah. for another week. <laughs> um, but no, I think it'll be very, as you mentioned, Jay, it's going to be a very similar situation to what we've experienced so far this season. We're going to have a lot of the ball and we need to keep it on the deck. Um, you know, they're going to want to counter-attack with Graham and Samuel. They're both, you know, two pacey wingers or strikers in some cases who have an eye for a goal you know we've seen with Graham already he's got four goals this season and he's, he's actually brilliant yeah. yeah he's one of the better players in the league actually and um, yeah and we, and we saw we kind of saw this actually when we went to Gillingham uh, last season I don't know if any of you guys made the trip but unfortunately I did yes and, yep, yep. yeah yeah Oh, the rain, yeah, bloody hell. Uh, luckily, I was in the stands, so I didn't experience the rain. Um, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, we saw glimpses of what I thought their place I was going to be on on Saturday. Um, so we saw then, as to which they're going to let us have the ball and they're going to pounce on our mistakes, much like other teams have done to us this season. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to come to concentration and communication, you know. We sound like a broken record every week speaking about this, but until the team nails it, it's going to be a topic of conversation because it's so important in football. And especially when you're playing a system that we do, you need everyone on the pitch to be communicating and know what they're doing. Um, Ross, what are your thoughts on a Gillingham on Saturday and how they could potentially set up against us? Um, well, going back onto what um, Joe says, Gilliam have had 36% average possession this season. So that says something in itself. Wow. Um, but the main threat, obviously, what Joe said was Oliver. Um, he's obviously a very tall bloke. Um, but as Joe said, he's not a prolific type of uh, scorer. He, he's got three assists this season in five appearances. So um, it seems like he's offloading to the wings a lot, a lot of the time. Um, uh, obviously, Jordan Graham, released by Wolves, you've mentioned, uh, scoring four goals and one assist. Um, but I think the key area is who, who gets the first goal. Um, if we score it, I feel like um, we go on to win the game. But if they get it, it's going to be 
same old story of Portsmouth at the weekend, Phil. Yeah, very much status quo of us chasing a game where we've we've likely made a mistake at the back, and yeah, it's all it's all to that familiar feeling, isn't it? Unfortunately. Uh, Martin, what are your thoughts on uh, how Saturday may play out in terms of a Gillingham perspective? Yeah, I can't, obviously can't disagree with anything that's been said so far. Um, I think Dom Samuel was the one, one of the players that were brought up who uh, I'm sure you remember a few years ago um, when we played Coventry away. I think it was the 2000 to Cov game. And Dom, Sam hit us, uh, Dom Samuel hit us twice. I think it was in the first. It was the first goal where he uh, beat the offside trap, won a corner and they scored from it. And a second goal where we were just half asleep. Um, and he goes and stops past Dave Martin. I think it's that sort of thing. Zoom in McLaughlin, I think. Uh, yeah, it's the Bucking goal. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember I that, that one. Yeah, God. yeah, that was an awful game. Um, and he hit it so early, and he just never came back from it. And I think just reminds me of these last few games where we've conceded early and struggled to get back into it. So I think don't get hit on the pace like that uh, early on. So keep it quiet early on. Um, another thing I think looking at some of their heat maps, their fullbacks do tend to sit pretty deep, um, and like they take flat back four very literal, very literally. Um, so I think. Paul and Harvey might have their work cut out if we're trying to go from out wide and cut in, uh, get crosses in. So I think it's going to be a very, very difficult game. And I think, you know, we need to learn from our mistakes against Lincoln a bit, um, against playing against teams that are going to sit deep. But ultimately, we're going to be coming up against sides like this all season. So, you know, we have to learn to play. I have to, get, to learn to play against teams like this. Yeah, you mentioned about the flat um, back four and it's, it's very much the same in the midfield, actually. Um, I've listened to Jills in the Blood and they preview with Gabe Certain about the game against Oxford. And they were speaking about how they like to set up in this structure in a way. It's it's sort of a building block for when, you know, they can have just Oliver just sitting up top and then they can feed off to Samuel or Graham, depending on who's up yeah. with them. So it almost converts to like a, a four a four four two in a sense rather than a four three three that initially looks at. And um, a player that I picked out actually was um, Eccles. He's on loan from Coventry, funnily enough. He's uh, from he's basically the latest kid off the block from there, like incredibly incredible like youth system. And he seems to really hold that structure together in terms of the midfield. He's essentially a battler and he's got a key eye for a pass when he needs to be. And uh, a kid like that for like 20 years old is always essential to the team. And it's actually quite a young team, surprisingly, for a system like this is because usually you expect a system that's you know very structured and organized to be associated with older players and the fact that you know their spine of their team maybe besides Bannum sorry or Bonham is you know 2021 and that sort of age range. Uh, Joe do you have any additional thoughts regarding the Gillingham game from what you've already said? Um, no, only just if they get a corner in the first 10 minutes, I think I'm going to be hiding, hiding behind my sofa. Um, but apart, <laughs> apart from that, yeah, I think it's, it's it's just going to be one of them. And I feel, I just feel that Ross said the first goal is crucial and I, I can't agree more because I feel that with teams like this, they're so set in their structure and look, we'll, we'll just make sure we don't concede any and if we nick a goal, we nick a goal. But if we go 1-0 up and then it's like, right, well, we need to actually try and score a goal there's going to be spaces because they're not going to be used to be the ones sort of trying to dictate the play. I feel teams like Gillingham, they're very reactive. And if they get that first goal, then that's it, game over. They're going to put the game to bed. They're going to time waste, and you know, which is perfectly fine. And I just feel that we need to get that first goal and then we'll... Because I think they, they did it against Oxford. I think Oxford had 
I think that Oxford had, might have had 30 shots or something against them. And I feel like it's, it's just going to be one of them where we just can't let them get ahead. And that, that's why I just really worry about the set-piece threat, especially as they've already got a third of their goals this season from set-pieces. But I, I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. And, you know, keep the ball on the ground, if Russell Martin listens to this, to keep it on the ground. Don't bother with trying to like do these fancy like long balls or anything. I don't think it'll work in this game. Um, you know, the structure, they, they, they essentially play zonal marking. It's just not going to work. You need to pass it around them. And not just our back line, when I say that, I mean getting the midfield involved and putting the high press on them and trying to find these gaps where you can create space and hopefully score goals. So, with all that being said, let's move into predictions. So, Ross, why don't you give us your prediction on how you think Saturday's going to go? Um, I feel like, obviously, we'll have the possession, as we said, but we've got to use the width of Stadium MK. We've got to use the whole pitch. As Joe said, create them spaces. And if, and I say if again, if we take our chances, I, I feel like we can win this quite comfortable. Um, I want to say, I'm going to say 3 1. Nice. Shooting that for Dons, yeah? <laughs> yeah. 3 1 Dons, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was say, I was like, video, didn't they go? All right. Um, Martin, why don't you give us your prediction for the game on Saturday? I think, obviously, it's definitely not our sort of game um, going into it. But I think if Keo can get it right and keep um, uh, Oliver out of the game and we can get some sort of chance up front, I think we can nick it one now. Brilliant. And what about yourself, Joe? Yeah, I'm pushing the boat out there. I'm also going for our first clean sheet in about, Ooh. I don't know, eight months <laughs> or something. Uh, I'm going 2-0. I think... I think with Lewington, Williams and Kiro, what you've got is three people that are really quite adept in the air. And as long as we're not overcommitting, I, I feel like we'll be okay. Yeah, um, for me, this game is all about not being punished for our mistakes. I feel it's important to recognise that we are going to make mistakes. You know, we're still a team trying to learn this new system and you know how long that will take, we don't know. But it's all about not being punished for those mistakes that like we have been every game this season, pretty much. So if we can stop being punished so vigorously for these mistakes and you know we can get a goal or two in the other end I feel like we have a great chance of winning this game and I'm going to go 2-1 Dons well thank you very much for listening to episode 5 uh, before we close off uh, Martin if you want to let everyone know where they can find you and find any of your work then feel free um, yeah my Twitter is at Martin J Atherton so give me a follow on there I just generally retweet anything I write now because I'm writing for a few few different sites and stuff so uh yeah uh there's that and uh, thank you very much for having me on this evening thoroughly enjoyed it oh, no worries thank you for accepting our invite to coming on um actually yeah we read a lot of your stuff i know i do anyway and it's a great read and i know it was a shame to hear about the mk way essentially not closing down but you know sort of taking a back seat uh but you know you can feel free to come on here at any time to talk about dons and we'll happily have you on again Oh, it's a pleasure. You know, well, thank you once again. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, brilliant. So, thank you for listening to episode five of the MK1 podcast. Um, if you could please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, the, the reviews on Apple Podcasts mean a lot, especially as, you know, not only do they give us feedback on what we can improve on, what we can't, they also push the podcast out to other people. Uh, and, you know, it's always nice to see a review on there and see what people think of us. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening once again. And come on, you dons. 
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.